in overtime. Michigan wins. If Pandora's box is a box of chocolates, would I know to stay away? Pandora's box, the box of chocolates Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe That means I have half a mind to stay Good evening, it's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor it's Mike. How you doing? Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food every Thursday at 6.30 in the evening. And we're going to hear a lot of food music this half hour. I have a funny feeling about that. But first of all, this being autumn, I think we're really getting into autumn. I really felt the twilight this evening as I was coming here. We're going to hear perhaps the quintessential autumnal songle, which is by the Kinks, and it is Autumn Almanac, sometimes called Autumn Almanac, if you listen closely. If you're playing food reference bingo, listen for tea and toasted buttercurrant buns and roast beef, and this record has a bit of a scratchy throat, but I think we can forgive it. Here we go, Kinks. Here we go, Kinks. Whoa, okay, that's not exactly what was supposed to happen. This is Pandora's Lungs Fox, and we're going to do something completely different right now. We're going to get to the kinks in just a moment. Yeah, that's that's pretty smooth. Now, we're going to be talking about some ballot initiatives across the country that had to do with food. We're going to talk about a rubber chicken in space. But first, maybe a little more mellow than I expected, but it's kind of saucy, too. Here's here's something totally different, like this is Kirsty McCall and Autumn Girl Soup. Looks like home. I'm an autumn girl on the endless search for summer. Cause I need some love to cook my frozen bones. You needed something to get your teeth into, and in my voodoo kitchen. Whatever. 
Thank you, Kirsty McCall. And Autumn Girl Soup. That's one word, Autumn Girl Soup. That's from her album Tropical Brainstorm. You can stuff her with whatever you like. Well, that's a particular person she's speaking of, I think. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's Autumn, and these are some Autumn food songs. In addition, some food in Autumn. This is from... Uh, University of Michigan School of Natural Resources, researchers at the U of M School of Natural Resources and Environment are leading a five-year, $4 million study of disparities in access to healthy food across the state. The researchers are going to interview residents and study data in 18 small to mid-sized cities to better understand the factors affecting food security. If you haven't heard that term, it's a term defining easy access to safe and healthy food. And among those 18 small and mid-sized cities that they're going to go to in the UP, Sault Ste. Marie, Brimley, and St. Ignace, in West Michigan, Grand Rapids, Holland, Muskegon, and Benton Harbor, and in Southeast Michigan, a bunch of cities including Ypsilanti, Flint, Inkster, Pontiac, Lansing, Kalamazoo, and Dearborn. And because urban agriculture is seen as part of the solution to food insecurity in cities, the researchers will study how locally grown food can more easily get to the poor, traditionally minority populations most at risk. Other universities involved in this federal grant include the U of M Flint, MSU, and Lake Superior State University. So the U of M School of Natural Resources is leading a study on disparities in access to healthy food across the state. Meanwhile, you know, the produce station on State Street last year talked to the folks there because they got a bunch of heirloom apples from a place up north, 24 different varieties, I believe, of heirloom apples from Michigan. But this year, as you may remember, one of the defining food events of this year was the wonderful, beautiful spring, unseasonably warm weather that's so beautiful, so awesome, and then the hard freeze, killing 90% of the apples and 90% of the peaches and 90% of the tart cherries in the state. Eek. So no heirloom apples available from that northern Michigan source this time. But the produce station has collected some heirloom apples. There are about six or seven different kinds out there now on State Street. One of them is called the Rhode Island Greening Apple, which the produce station describes as the definitive apple for American apple pie. I should mention, if you don't know, heirloom apples are apples that are not one of, say, the top five most marketed apples or the most durable apples at the supermarket. Some of those might taste pretty good, but these heirloom apples are ones that have been kept going through small farmers, spreading seeds to each other through the last hundreds of years, keeping these small batches of apples alive. So Hudson's Golden Gem is another one described by the produce station as having a distinct nutty flavor that resembles a Bosque pear. And Esopus Spitzenberg, you can say that again, that apple is reputed, reputed, again, you can say that again, reputed to have been Thomas Jefferson's favorite apple. Another one is the Lady Apple, which the website called Specialty Produce says it's considered to be primarily a decorative apple. It can often be confused with a crab apple because it's of its small size. And it says the Lady Apple has thin, satin-finished, pale lime green skin blushed with layered tones of ruby and crimson and nearly invisible white freckles. I had to read it like that. And then there's the palm grease. No, not palm grease. The election's over. Ha, ha, ha. Greasing the palm. Elections. Ha. <clears throat> so, no, it's palm grease, which is French for gray apple. I guess it has a bit of a grayish brown with the greenish color. It's a cross between the Golden Delicious and the Duchess. So there are heirloom apples out there. Some food does survive, and that is a wonderful thing. Now, I believe the kinks have come back. They've been 
uh, out there by the door, WCBN outside door, sipping on their ice cold beers. Uh, in bags, though, in case the police are swinging by. And I believe they have that Autumn Almanac song ready. Again, um, if you're playing food reference bingo, tea and toasted buttercurrant buns and roast beef. So here we go ahead. Yes, absolutely, yes. That is Autumn Almanac, also known as Autumn Almanac, also known as Being by the Kinks, from the album The Kink Chronicles, and I need to get that on CD, even though that's that has a nice, has a bit of a scratchy throat, that rendition there, but sounds mighty fine to me, and it's well worthwhile. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Arwolf is going to help us to face the music, but in the meantime, on this Pandora's Lunchbox show, we like to call Pandora's Lunchbox, which is a show about food, on this show, we're going to talk a bit about some of the ballot initiatives. There was an election this week, 
Did you know? So in California, this is, this is uh, from the AP. Activists seeking special labels on food made from genetically engineered crops vowed yesterday to continue their push. That's despite a loss at the California ballot box, where they were vastly outspent by biotechnology giants. Backers of the voter-rejected Proposition 37 turned their focus toward the states of Washington and Oregon, where they hoped to gather enough signatures to bring forth a similar ballot initiative. The California measure would have mandated labels on processed foods and raw produce derived from plants whose DNA was altered in a laboratory. An estimated 40% to 70% of products sold in the state would have been affected. The federal government does not require disclosure of genetically modified foods since they're not significantly different in taste and nutrition compared with their non-engineered counterparts, says the AP. A victory at the polls would have catapulted the nation's most populous state to the forefront of a food movement. Supporters argued that shoppers had a right to know what they're putting in their bodies. Agriculture and chemical conglomerates led by Monsanto mounted a $45 million offensive. 53% rejected the measure, while 47% were in favor. Consumer advocates and organic food makers raised $9 million. Proponents said they could not compete in getting their message out because of the lopsided funding. That's on the genetically modified food initiative in California. That was Proposition 37. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and I'm not able to answer the phone right now because I'm on the air, so perhaps you can call later when there's a song playing. But in the meantime, there is some more information that I'd like to share with you about some other initiatives. In North Dakota, voters became the first to enshrine the right to farm in their state constitution. The right to farm. It's a move some say could have far-reaching effects on genetic modification, land use, and the way animals are raised. The amendment guarantees the right of farmers to engage in modern agriculture, quote-unquote, modern is in quotation marks, and bars any law limiting their right, quote, to employ agricultural technology, modern livestock production, and ranching practices, unquote. Supporters say it was broadly worded to protect farmers far into the future, but critics complained it was too vague, and officials in North Dakota said this week they aren't sure what the new right really means, how long it will take to define it, or whether it would survive a court challenge. The North Dakota Farm Bureau collected signatures to get the amendment on the ballot after the Humane Society of the U.S. unsuccessfully pushed a measure two years ago to abolish, to abolish fenced hunting preserves in North Dakota. Farm groups in other states also had become concerned about the Humane Society and other animal welfare organizations pushing bans to ban small crates for chickens and pregnant pigs and what they saw as a heavier hand with federal regulation. Farmers pushed back with social media campaigns designed to sway public opinion and their own initiatives, such as a law passed earlier this year in Iowa that makes it a crime to lie on a job application to get access to a farm to record video of animal abuse. But the North Dakota Farmers Union, the state's other main farmer group, opposed the constitutional amendment, saying it was too broad and could trump important local and state laws, such as those dealing with zoning and water drainage. The amendment passed with two-thirds of the vote. And that is information on the North Dakota right to farm. We've got another ordinance to talk about, the right to hunt, fish, and trap in Idaho in just a moment. But in the meantime... It's kind of chilly out there. It's 38.2 degrees, according to Wonderground.com, and I know you're measuring that. So in the meantime, some relief coming this way to our friend Leo Graham. This is Want a Wine 
He wants that. It'll make him feel warm. And don't you too? you that is leo graham and that's from a collection called version like rain various artists performing with the great great reggae musicians the upsetters that's on trojan records and that was a song by leo graham called want a wine and he's thirsty thirsty now the right to drink is one thing but the right to hunt fish and trap is another idaho voters this week voted agreed to amend the state constitution to protect forever the right to hunt, fish, and trap. Idaho now joins 13 other states that have added similar language into their state constitutions. In making their case for the constitutional amendment, supporters claimed protections are essential to preserving the right to hunt, fish, and trap for future generations. They also see a constitutional amendment as a necessary firewall against efforts by out-of-state animal rights activists 
I'm sensing a pattern, or changing public attitudes to curtail these activities. The amendment is worded in a way that enables the Idaho Fish and Game Commission to continue managing hunting and fishing and to set regulations on trapping. Despite overwhelming support at the ballot box, the measure had detractors, especially with the inclusion of trapping. Critics say trapping remains cruel and inhumane and a means of taking wildlife that doesn't enjoy the same overwhelming public support as hunting and fishing. Nonetheless, Idaho voters have put the right to hunt, fish, and trap in their constitution on this election week. Now, that brings to mind rubber chickens in space. And I know you were probably saying to yourself, when is he going to get to the rubber chickens in space? I've been waiting all year for this. I know. I know. But here it is at, in, at Wired.com, this article from Carissa Bell. Without a shiny new rover prancing around Mars, shooting rocks with lasers, it can be tough for NASA missions to get any attention these days. So the Solar Dynamics Observatory has turned to a rubber chicken for help. I've often been in that position, and I've often, you know, it's, it's, it's been a good thing. But this is no ordinary rubber chicken, oh, known as Camilla Corona, my new girlfriend. SDO's chicken mascot has flown five times to the uppermost levels of the atmosphere in a hot air balloon, flown in a rolling NASA T-30 Talon, Talon? Chicken, Talon. Do, do chickens have talons? With astronauts, no, no less, and traveled around the world attending space-related conferences, meetups, and tweet-ups. I don't know if chickens actually tweet in the literal or the computer sense of the word, but nonetheless, well, actually, I think so. Hold on. A lesser chicken might not be able to handle such a rigorous schedule of constantly blogging, tweeting, huh, and traveling. Well, a lesser chicken might be too chicken to fly solo to the edge of space in a hot air balloon in the midst of a solar radiation storm, but Camilla Corona is gearing up for what will hopefully be her biggest adventure yet, going to the International Space Station. Romeo Dersher, senior manager of the Solar Dynamics Observatory, an executive assistant to Camilla, because all rubber chickens need an executive assistant and a gopher, a real gopher, or a person as a gopher for a chicken, says that Camilla's social media efforts began in late 2009 before the official launch of the mission. They had decided to make Camilla Corona their mascot, something which initially started as an inside joke among the SDO team, but they quickly realized social media was an opportunity to teach the public about the sun and solar weather and that Camilla could be a great teacher. Camilla Corona has amassed more than 6,500 Twitter followers and is much more popular than I am. I am proud of this rubber chicken, and as Americans on this election week, we should be proud of the ability of Camilla Corona to fly to the edge of space without anything more than rubber wings, although they don't tend to have wings on rubber chickens, do they? Nonetheless, my point is made. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. I'm still Mike for a while. Here is a quick message before we go. It's getting to be a time of year when people need some help, need some assistance, and there are some very creative ways out there that that can be done. And here's one of those ways right now. Gathers is Washtenaw County's food rescue and food bank program. Every day throughout the year, we fight hunger where we live. Call us at 761-2796 to find out how you can volunteer, how you can donate money, how you can donate food. Call us at 761-2796 to find out the role you can play in fighting hunger.
Indeed, food gatherers, 761-2796 is their number. And I should mention, a few weeks ago, I talked to a good person from food gatherers who said they did need volunteers. You might check to see if that's still true. 761-2796. Food gatherers rescues millions and millions of pounds of food from places that might otherwise throw it away. Foodgatherers.org is their website. Well, I've been Mike for at least that long. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox for dogs. Arwolf will help us to face the music in just a moment. But in the meantime, speaking of rubber chickens, I'd like to dedicate this song to, in fact... Camilla Corona, the rubber chicken in space, and I hope that this this being on the interwebs and this and the the fish streams of the interwebs will fly out into space, and she or it will hear it. This is Sly and the Family Stone. This is their most underrated song. This is Chicken, and this is WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Tune in to face the music. Keep on listening, and don't stop doing that. Thousand adults and children have turned to the National Marrow Donor Program for a second chance at life. They all had a life-threatening disease like leukemia, for which an unrelated marrow or blood stem cell transplant was their only cure. For each and every one of them, and for more than 120 others each month, a total stranger gave them a second chance at life. By searching the National Marrow Donor Program's registry of 4 million volunteer donors, they were matched with someone willing to donate the marrow they needed to live. Each year, 
30,000 adults and children are diagnosed with leukemias, anemias, and inherited disorders. If you are one of them, a marrow or blood stem cell transplant could be your cure, your second chance at life. Need more proof marrow transplants save lives? Then call the National Marrow Donor Program at 1-800-MARROW-2 or go to www.marrow.org. Yeah, me too. It's 7 o'clock. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, isn't it? Welcome to Face the Music. Thanks, Mike, for another outstanding 30 minutes of creative, inspiring, and informative radio. What a week, huh? How are you guys doing? I am still, uh, you know, I've, I figured it out. I actually got physically sick worrying about the outcome of the election. It was, uh, I'm still emotionally and psychologically tortured over this and and um, physically, really physically ill with worry. And, and I, I should be relieved, but I'm, you know, I was all ready to get on here with an entire hour of songs of containing the word Satan in the title from the 1920s and 30s. Honestly, Satan does the rumba, uh, Satan takes a holiday, the satanic blues. I was all ready with this. Uh, fortunately, I guess, and not, not only be for radio thematic purposes, but in general, uh, from my perspective anyway, and I think a lot of, a lot of uh, people that are around here, uh, disaster was averted. So I can proceed with opening up Let's see, this is the first in a, uh, in a series of programs. The last eight Thursdays of 2012 will be coordinated by the number two. Now, what does that mean? Why would I do such a thing? Why would I use the number two as a cipher to go through and find all these historic recordings? Well, I've been doing this for years, usually at a, a different radio station where I no longer work, and I found it to be a great way to usher out the year and to go back and re-examine our collective cultural heritage. So you'll be hearing in the next hour and 